Welcome to the UK Ravens podcast, the only official, unofficial Baltimore Ravens podcast from the United Kingdom. Big news as the New York Jets trade for Chuck Clark, safety from the Ravens. Look, I'm everybody on Twitter. <laughs> Welcome back to the UK Ravens podcast. My name is Gaz Paul and I'm once again joined by my friends who I met on the internet. Um, coincidentally, the two Twitter guys themselves, Shane Richmond and Ian Demain. Did I do a good, Shane, did I do a good Twitter? I, 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 yeah. I briefly logged on earlier and that seemed to be every tweet that I saw. Yep, I think that pretty much summed it up. 24 <laughs> hours ago, it was like, whose fault is, is the Lamar situation? But we've got Chuck Clark jokes now, so that's good. Oh dear! How's um, everything looking on the uh, on the Bluebird, Ian? Is it chaos? Is it fire? Is it where <laughs> where, where are we at the scale? It, it's not been that bad. We, we we have the odd. We've got a couple of regulars who like to moan about everything, and and, and every time we tweet anything or the Ravens tweet anything, they they come at us about it. And that's all fun and games, and I don't mind that. It's the same people over and over. That, that's fine. But I think genuinely it's it, it's been okay, actually. It's, it's been a bit tamer than I thought it might have been. Mm, that's good to hear. Well, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, let, let's not let's not hide it here, guys. The I guess the big thing is um, the thing we've been talking about for for years now. We've all sort of saw this day coming. Eventually, um, Chuck Smith named as outside linebackers coach. What do you, what do you think of that one? <laughs> I don't think of that one Obviously, I'm joking. Let's, we're talking about Lamar Jackson, as we have done on this podcast for, as I say, the last two years. Shane, you first. So, in, in case you've been living under a rock, the Baltimore Ravens use the non-exclusive franchise tag on quarterback Lamar Jackson. So, he has a lower cap hit, but he has the ability to negotiate with other teams. Is that right? It is. So um, any other team that can give him a contract that he likes, uh, the Ravens get five days to either match it or let Lamar go in return for two first round picks. So this was a bit of a surprise because everybody had been saying in the run up to this, they it's definitely too risky to use the non-exclusive tag. They would use the exclusive one. Uh, the Ravens didn't do that. And now everyone is explaining why that was the obvious move. And it was the thing that we expected all along. Um, so it's, it's one of those things that it was apparently, uh, obvious as soon as the Ravens did it. Yeah. Who tweeted out the thing with the Pat McAfee show the other day that was like, I think this, this was all over the place. As you go back to the Falcons, where I think they were 30 minutes apart. The Falcons are absolutely interested in Lamar Jackson. The Falcons are definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, we don't, I mean, we don't know because all of this is just, the beat reporter for the team has phoned their contact and said, are you going to go for Lamar Jackson? And they've said, no. Are you going to tell that guy like, <laughs> if that's your plan? I mean, what would you, you, I mean, you may not say anything at all, but you're certainly not going to go, oh yeah, we're putting our deal together as we speak. Like, why would you tell them that? So none of this means anything anyway. Okay, Ian, before like, we'll, we'll get into um, where we are with the Falcons and the Jets and the, the other teams that seemingly don't want an MVP quarterback on their team. First, um, instant reaction to the non-exclusive taggy, and what do you think that's about right? I'm one of those that, as Shane mentioned before, it's it's plainly obvious now, isn't it? I think (laughs) you asked me the question two or three pods ago, actually, if if it was me, would I 
exclusive tag or non-exclusive. And I said, it had to be the exclusive tag. It was too risky. There's, there's no way. Uh, and now I've done that thing that Shane's talking about where I've, I've com- completely flipped and I, I totally understand why it's the non-exclusive tag and, and, and it makes sense, but, um, it's, it's a heck of a risk, isn't it? And Eric DaCosta and, and his boss, Stevie Biscuits have got to be pretty confident that, that no one's going to be dealing out this, this big contract. Um, the word collusion is, is getting used an awful lot. I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that in a bit. Um, but the, the way I see it now, the way I'm sort of putting this together in, in my head is that DaCosta's just got to the point now where if someone does negotiate a contract with, with Lamar, the two first rounders isn't, isn't enough for him. Like DaCosta's a cleverer guy than I am. The two first rounders is not enough for Lamar. So in my mind, whatever contract Lamar gets offered now, the Ravens will match it. It doesn't matter what it is. And if it's a fully guaranteed contract, I think they match it. And then they, their out is, well, I didn't want to give him that contract, but I had to because someone else did. And then it's suddenly not, not their fault. Steve can go to the 30 other owners and go, well, that guy's an idiot. I didn't want to give him this fully guaranteed contract, but I don't want to lose him. So I had, I had to match it. And I think that's his, his out. So I, I don't think there's any way the Ravens don't match any offer. And I've seen some people in our WhatsApp group and, and other places say, well, you know, there's teams with an absolute ton of draft capital, uh, uh, of cap space and they can front load the contract and make it so the Ravens can't match it. The Ravens can match the contract. It, it would kill them. They'd have to get rid of an awful lot of players to do it. But two first rounders for Lamar is, is just not enough. So I, I don't see any way that the Ravens don't match whatever contract's coming. And the only thing here is we, we, I'm, I'm sure everyone's heard this word, the escrow word by now. Um, I've just had a look at the Super Show because I'm not I, I, honestly. I think if it, if you'd have asked me in a Ravens-based quiz, what what did Steve Bichotti do to get all his money? I'm not sure I'd have been able to answer that. It turns out he's, he's basically a recruiter, a temping agency essentially for yeah. IT. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's, he's going up against like billionaire, and obviously he's, he's done very well for himself. And I'm all right sat here in my little house in Yorkshire saying, "Well, he's only got 13.4 billion or whatever he's got." But has Shane, do you know if Bouchard has even got this money to, to front? Yeah, he's he's um, he's liquid, as the, the financial <laughs> types say. He's got the money to, to spend. It's different for some of the other teams. So there are teams, basically the, the teams that are family operations where they're taking an income or they're, they're, they're living from the team. The Bengals are one of those. The Raiders are one of those. They may not have the cash. So the Raiders found themselves in a position where they couldn't fire their coach because they didn't have the cash available to buy out his contract. So they probably don't have the money. But the teams that have got the billionaire owners, I mean, you know, the, the Chags have one and um, the, the various consortiums that have bought that have bought teams, they'll be able to, to put the cash together. Uh, so he could put that amount of money in escrow. He probably doesn't want to. I'm sure that there are better things he could be doing with it. Um, but he would be able to do it if, if necessary. So I, I'm with Ian here. I think this is it, this must just be the biggest sort of saving face gamble going. It's exactly that. It's the Ravens are now in a position where, as Ian says, if someone else comes along and offers him a fully guaranteed contract, they can just press 
press go on it. And yeah, it wasn't their idea. We had to do it to keep our guy. But I guess they're looking at it as a bit of a gamble where, and we'll get into the news reporting of it in a second. They're almost just testing the market to say, is this, this actually might end up bringing Lamar Jackson's value down. And we'll obviously the word collusions come up already. Um, is this, Ian, what do you think? Is this because I've heard a bit about like, because Lamar doesn't have an agent, what would usually happen is the teams and their agents put things into the media, which says, um, we want this, this, and this, and this. And then what happens is the player's agent then goes out. You've seen it, what Derek Carr's just done it with um, the Saints. Pretty much everybody knew, or Derek Carr's camp definitely knew we wanted to go to the Saints. But his agent's job was to go out there and say, well, actually, the, the Jets are offering us more money, or we've got this offer from Atlanta, which I think he got a slight increase of what he would have got if he had just taken the trade. Lamar hasn't got that. Is that is that now hindering him, do we think? Uh I think so. And, and again, I was always on the, hey, he hasn't got, he hasn't got an agent. It doesn't matter train. Well, I've completely flipped that now. I think looking at it, it he, he does need advice and he, he's probably getting it from the wrong, the wrong place in the NFL PA. I think they're, they're giving him some, some pretty bad advice. They're obviously working against the owners. They, they want the fully guaranteed contracts and they want it for everyone. And, and they're possibly the ones telling him to hold out for this, this guaranteed contract. Um, I think if he had an agent, I don't think Lamar would have stepped foot on the field after his MVP season without a, without a new contract. I think it would have got, it would have got done back then. Um, there's no way an agent would have, would have let him go out after that season playing for what, two million dollars or whatever it was. Um, but Lamar's his own guy. I don't, I don't think he's going to be rushing out to, to get an agent now. So he, this is, this is the bed he's made. Um, and as you say, the agent would have done this. He, the, the legal tampering periods coming up. Well, the agents are all tampering year round, so he, he'd have known what was out there and which teams were interested. And you, you, you can tell, like hours before the hours before this announcement came out, you saw the the stuff from the combine. The Ravens and the Falcons apparently had a trade worked out for Lamar already. Like people have got no clue what's going out. People are just throwing stuff against the wall and, and hoping something sticks. Because as soon as this news came out, that was all debunked and the Falcons weren't in on him and all these other teams were out as well. So I, I genuinely, and these are the most used words when it comes to Lamar's contract. I think nobody knows. I think this, but, but nobody knows what's going on. And it's just suddenly got that much more complicated for Lamar because now he's potentially negotiating with all the teams in the NFL, you know, however many want to want to do something. And what do they do? Do they ring him up? Like you just phone him and go, do you want to talk about a contract at some point? Like the Ravens have been used to this from the start because Lamar's never had an agent. So they've kind of got into how this works. And there's been stories that, you know, he sometimes doesn't answer the phone and won't call you back. And you have to kind of wait around and do stuff on his schedule. I don't know whether that's people trying to suggest that you know he's it's not his priority or whatever but all these teams who are not used to dealing with him have now got to figure out how to do that approach and where they'd normally just ring up an agent and have a very business-like conversation like what do you think the most the ravens are willing to offer is okay we'll go and compare that with what the most we can offer is let's go back and and see what we end up with they've got to be a lot more tactful and diplomatic when they come to Lamar because they've got to make him feel wanted. They've got to kind of go through all of these motions when a lot of them probably just want a number. 
They just want to ring him up and go, what's the number? Okay, we'll go back and, and talk about it. And then from Lamar's point of view, he's used to dealing with the Ravens because he's been there for a while and he's worked out how they work. But he hasn't talked to any other front offices. He's never done this kind of negotiation with all of these other people. And so it, there's going to be a lot of back and forth for him, a lot of him getting involved, whoever his advisors are. It feels like the situation is going to be chaotic, like even more chaotic than it has been now that there are so many players from next Wednesday when there's potentially so many players on the field. It's just going to be crazy. I think the actual way you've got to go about it, Shane, is you've got, I think you've got to phone his mum and ask if the mum's playing out. I think. <laughs> But, but you've got to get her. Where do you get her phone number from? It, there's, there's presumably a list of agents and you know all their numbers. Mrs. Like, Jackson. Yeah, you just Google like Lamar Jackson's phone number. Like. It's a really weird situation, and there's been you know there are players around that that don't have agents, but not of this um, caliber, not of this kind of star quality. Um, so it's a really weird situation, I think, and I don't think it's gonna. It's not going to resolve quickly now because there's still this issue. And there's some of one of the things that Rappaport or Schefter or one of them, I can't tell them apart, but one of them was saying that, um, you know, one issue with a lot of teams being reticent on this is that they don't want to draw up the Ravens contract for them. That they think, as Ian has said, they think the Ravens are willing to match whatever comes in. So their view is there's no point in us wasting our time because we'd be devoting time we could be working on something else to coming up with a contract, trying to convince Lamar that it's a good one, getting him to agree to it. And then the Ravens would just go, yeah, that's fine and take him off us. So there's a lot of teams just going, actually, we can't be bothered. And a lot of this would be resolved if Lamar had an agent, because it would just be a phone call to go, is this serious? You know, what do we actually have to offer? Like I say, you can be a lot less diplomatic, a lot more businesslike when you're talking to the guy's representative. Interesting. Ian, well, let's go on to this collusion then. So, as we've discussed, Lamar was getting traded to the Falcons, definitely. Um, the Ravens then strapped the non-exclusive franchise tag. Then you had this weird flurry of five or six quarterback needy teams coming out and saying, nope, definitely not interested in um, an MVP quarterback. I think this is where the agent would... I think this is where the lack of agent that's really coming to bite him here because I think this is where the agent's actually out there going. And uh, the, the team are, are controlling... And when I say the team, I'm talking about the Baltimore Ravens. They're sort of controlling the narrative here out there and the stuff that... Your, your Schefter's your part of the world when they're hearing these teams are out. Actually, is that maybe coming from inside the Ravens? Or oh, actually, the Falcons aren't interested. These aren't interested as a thing to sort of... Lamar's seeing this, he, he, he's, he's not going to be blind to it. This is where he's really missing an agent, is it? And do you, or actually, do you think there is collusion behind there? Do you think nobody wants to pay him? I, I, I don't think it's no one wants to pay him. I think there's, and, and you're never ever going to prove this, but the, the NFL owners are, are a rich bunch and they're a rich bunch because they don't like giving money away. They're, they're not you know, rich for any other reason. And, I'm sure they've had conversations at their owners' meetings and other bits and pieces where we don't want to be giving out these guaranteed contracts. And if one player gets it, then an awful lot of players are, are going to be queuing up for it. If if Lamar signs a guaranteed contract now, you're going to have Joe Burrow and you're going to have Justin Herbert and you're going to have Jalen Hurts all going to their owners saying, well, I think I'd, I'd quite like a guaranteed contract as well. Um, and so why I don't think you're ever going to find you know it, it written down – 
Twitter again. I spent 20 or 30 minutes making a fake NFL owner's WhatsApp. I got no likes on that whatsoever. I'm, I'm giving up with Twitter now. But you're never going to find it written down anywhere. But I'm sure they've had conversations about it. And and the whole, how it happened so quickly, I, I, just, I think that was, as Shane mentioned, just local beat reporters being being asked and no team's going to come out and say yes we're in on Lamar straight away because why would you why would you give that up but if it was collusion then they're not the smartest bunch are they because they all came out within about 20 minutes of each other and said no no we're out we're, we're done you'd have at least said well you wait a couple of days maybe say we've tested it no we're not in you wait a week or so we're, we're happy with who's in the draft don't all come out at once and just just poo poo it so i'm sure there's some element but but collusion's a very strong word yeah i don't think much collusion is necessary because they all know that none of them want these contracts and they've probably had these conversations after the deshaun watson one i mean steve bishotti said in interviews you know i wish this hadn't been the the they wish he hadn't given him that contract um there's i mean the owners kind of you know they will work in the interests of everybody when it suits them and then when it suits them one of them will sort of go off in their own direction which is what the browns did there may be an owner in there who sees an advantage in breaking um from the pack and offering a bigger contract than the deshaun watson one and making it fully guaranteed but it's i mean you're looking at a franchise you're looking for a franchise this kind of desperate and um not terribly well run, I would guess. I mean, I think most of the well run organizations know that based on the way things work at the moment, it's not in their interest to give out fully guaranteed contracts. So I don't think they even need a meeting to know that. They just, you know, that's how they all feel. A lot of teams are, are probably looking at that Browns contract already and, and, and they're, they're already trying to rene- renegotiate that with Watson and, and bring his cap hit down because it's ridiculous. I don't know if you've seen that this week there's been rumours that they're maybe looking to trade away Nick Chubb and some other players as well. So there's, there's got to be GMs and owners around the league going, well, crikey, well, I, don't, I don't fancy that much for my team. So I, I can't see it. So where do, where, do we, where do we land on this then? <laughs> I think a question I've asked you both over the last two years what what's the chances as we talk here tonight that Lamar Jackson plays in the snap for the Baltimore Ravens? Shane, you first. I think if I had to go with gut feeling, I kind of have this feeling that he's going to play for the Ravens next season and probably under the cap because I don't think anything's really going to happen. I think there's going to be this issue... Well, you know, as we've discussed, where teams are just reluctant to get involved because they think the Ravens are doing this as a way of letting Lamar test the market. Lamar is going to stick to his guns. And then it starts to get a bit complicated because he doesn't, first of all, he can negotiate that amount higher. He doesn't have to accept that amount for the tag um, for some reason. I'm not entirely sure how that works. Second, he may also decide that he's going to hold out if he wants more. So it could all get a bit chaotic. But He's been so stubborn and so reluctant to move. The Ravens are clearly thinking, well, if he talks to some other teams, then maybe that will convince him that our our offer is a good one and the best he's going to get. He may still be aiming for this, I'm just going to ride out the cap for a couple of years and then see what happens when I'm a full free agent. So if I had to put my money on anything, I'd say he plays and almost certainly under the cap. Ian, how about you? 
Yeah, I'm I'm exactly the same. I think I think he turns up and he plays. It wouldn't surprise me if he sits out training camp and and these sorts of things, which isn't ideal with a with a new offensive coordinator. Um, but but I think he plays thirty thirty two point four million is is not an ins- insignificant amount of money to a guy that's not not sniffed that that money in the four or five years that he's been playing. Um, so I think he turns up. I think he plays under that under that tag for this year and quite possibly plays under a tag another year as well. It's I've, I've people jumping up and down saying that the Ravens can't can't play Lamar on this tag. They can. They've they've got the money to do it. Um thirty two million dollars for for Lamar Jackson is is cheap. That would make him the thirteenth highest paid quarterback in the league. I mean there's Jared Goff's making more than him. Kirk Cousins making more than him. Derek Carr, Daniel Jones, Dak, Matt Stafford—they're all making more money than Lamar this year. It's not—it's not a huge amount of money. So, yes, the Ravens need to find what is it, eight or nine million, but they can do that pretty easily. Um, I think had they gone the exclusive route, you'd have you'd have been seeing some pretty hefty cuts, and and they don't have to do that. They can they can have Lamar play this year on the tag, and it it won't kill them. And also potentially they've saved themselves next year as well because next year's cap will be 120% of this year's. So there's clearly a big difference from the exclusive tag to the non-exclusive tag in determining what next year's cap hit would be. So they've actually put themselves in a situation where they could, I mean, next year would, would be unpleasant, but on the exclusive tag, people were looking at this year being really, really rough and next year being almost impossible. They could actually play him for two years under the tag if they really feel like that's what they want to do. So they've, they've put themselves in a fairly strong position, unless, as I say, one absolute bonkers owner comes up with an absolutely crazy deal that they can't match. But it seems fairly unlikely that's going to happen. Is there still, there's still the option for a team to come and just, and trade him at this point? Or has everything now got to be done through this non-exclusive tag? Oh, I guess their team wouldn't put a trade offer together because they can take him through the tag now, can't they? Yeah, exactly. So you've got to you've you've got to give Lamar a contract that he's willing to accept. So nobody's going to trade for him without having some assurance they don't sign a contract. And if you're going to do that, you may as well go through this process and then you get him for two first rounders. The Ravens are not allowed to negotiate for any more than that. That's as much as they're allowed to get. So nobody can come in and go, well, what about three first rounders? Um, but I think you can, there's some way that, I mean, the Ravens, I, th- I think the Ravens could be offered some sort of, you know, like a team could come in and go, well, we'll give you some more picks in return for some guy lower down your roster and you don't, you agree not to match this contract or something. You know, there are ways to kind of work mm. around that, but basically, yeah, there's no, there's no reason why you would trade for more now unless you um, really felt the need to persuade the Ravens to agree the deal. I was, just, I was just wondering how this would shape up for draft night drama and if if anything could happen in that way. I was just looking at the draft board just as I'm going down it. Obviously, we've, we've just um, come out of the combine. We've seen the quarterbacks throw. There's some interesting quarterback prospects out there this year. And the, the team that my eyes just keep going to is the um, the Colts. I think Chris Ballard's had a couple of swings at quarterback now, and I'm not sure how long of a leash Chris Ballard's got to to get this wrong again, really. Never mind another couple of goes at this. And I look at the Colts sat at four, and I'm thinking, 
depending on how the draft shakes out, are they going to want to have a swing of maybe the second or third quarterback in this group? Or is that when they're going to say, well, I've got to think about my job here and we'll just go get Lamar Jackson and the Ravens then go into four as as a pick and then you get next year's as well. That I think that's the only looking through the list um, interesting trade partner on the night. So I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to look into that and how a draft night trade may work in this. It may be something that I guess they can sort of discuss and, and have in place before the night and, and just press go on the night. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, we, we, we've been speaking about this for two years now and the, the, the longer this goes on, the more broken the relationship feels. And I just feel that it, it may be just hasn't quite panned out. And at what point is it just better for both sides? I, I mean, I'd love to see Lamar Jackson be a Raven, but at what point is it better for both sides just for it not to work and uh, just to go in a different direction? And the, the longer this, um, the longer this ticks on, the the more, the more chance. I think if we get into training camp and we're starting to talk about holdouts or holdings or any of that, it, it, it just starts getting really messy. And then I, I'm not sure there's any coming back from that. But I've also, I've been saying that for nearly two years now. I thought this would be boxed off years ago. I, I don't think, I don't think this is going to go away quickly. I don't, uh, the, the Ravens came out when they did this and said, we're still negotiating with Lamar in good faith and blah, blah, blah. I, I don't think there's any way the Ravens and Lamar get a contract done unless someone comes in with an offer and the Ravens match it. Uh, they've, they've been at this for two years. If you believe the Rappaports and the Shefters, then Lamar's not even calling them back sometimes. So, you know, I, I, as I said, I don't think this is going to get done quickly and this can drag on until what, July? Is that right? Yeah, um, July seventeenth is yeah. the uh, the deadline. And, Ian, just to stop you on that point, is that what you is that a guy who you're offering and it might not be exactly what he wants, fair enough, but forty five forty to forty five million won't even return your phone calls. Like, do you do you want that guy in your franchise? But bear in mind we don't know who's Well, yes. We don't know who that's come from or why they leaked that information or how many phone calls have not been returned or whatever. It's all, you know, I assume it came from the Ravens and I assume there was a reason for putting that out there. The thing, it gets weirder if it goes past July 17th with no deal because then teams can still come in under the tag and offer uh, a deal for Lamar, but they can only offer a one-year contract and they can only do it until week 10 but they could still come in and take him during the season. I mean, he wouldn't leave during the season, but they could basically negotiate a deal where he would play for them from the following season and the Ravens get two first-round picks. But nobody could then do the long-term deal with him. That then goes off the table until the next off-season. So it all gets really weird if nothing... There's still no certainty if July 17th passes without a deal. Interesting. Well, but, but before we get off this, Gaz, because I know they've been your favourite team for Lamar as well, I've, loads and loads of people are saying Miami Dolphins, they're the team you want to watch out for because they don't have a first round pick this year. So they can't get involved with, with the Lamar situation until after the draft. After the draft, they can off, they can make him an offer. And if, if Lamar accepts it, it would be their draft picks for the next two years. Now, the Dolphins are a good side. Their next two draft picks with Lamar Jackson could well be in the high in the high twenties. 
that's the point where the Costa is not going to go for that. That's that's whatever. I, one, I don't think the Dolphins are going to get involved anyway. But at that point, there's no chance that the Costa wouldn't match that offer. It's, it's just not going to happen. The the Texans this year, the number two overall pick, he might he might consider it. He, I've, he might think this is. I've been doing this two years. I'm not going to get a deal done. Maybe number two overall is enough for DeCosta to say, go on. But a team like the Dolphins, it's, it's not going to, I'm, I'm going to hurt, hurt myself here, aren't I? It's not going to happen. Well, they've said they're, that there's, I mean, they've ruled themselves out and they're still busy trying to kill Tua with concussions. So they haven't finished until they finish doing that. I don't think they're going to move on. I mean, the, to be fair, the Dolphins have had a couple, a couple of years practice now, but only having the starting quarterback for the first 10 games of the season. So maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that's the ideal landing spot for Lamar. <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater can come in in the second half and uh, coast through into the playoffs and have a first-round playoff exit, and life continues on. Okay, well, I, I don't think this is going to be the last time we're, we're talking about this over the coming weeks and months, so... I've got my eye on you, Indianapolis Colts. You're, 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 I, I, I've always had my eye. I, as you say, you know, I've I've been on the Miami to the Dolphins um, train for a while. I, I put something in the group that got um, totally cast aside of a trade to the Rams, but then realised the Rams don't have any first round <laughs> picks until about 2028. Can the Rams do that? Can they the don't Rams... have any picks. <laughs> Can the Rams come in and say, right, yeah, you, you can have his next two, two first-round picks. Unfortunately, they're not for another six to seven years. <laughs> <laughs> is there any rules against that in this um, this tag? We will find out together. Right, okay. Um, I opened the show with it. Let's move on to it. Um, Chuck Clark, we, we thought this was coming. It's um, probably the... One of the easy decisions. Um, Ian, what do we think about a seventh round pick though? Again, Chuck Clark um, traded to the New York Jets for a 2024 seventh round pick, which saves about four million in cap space. Something that the Ravens have absolutely got to do at this point with um, that non-exclusive franchise tag coming. This, this is what got everyone angry on Twitter today. The, Ra- the Ravens got a seventh round pick next year for, for a guy that they were, they were going to release anyway. And uh, I think... Um, Trade, trading him actually saved them an extra six hundred thousand. I think I, I think I saw that as opposed to just cutting him. Um, so we knew Chuck was going to go. The Ravens tried trading him last year. They they didn't get any takers. So you know they were going to cut him a seventh round pick if if that's what you can get. That's I mean it's it's a throw in, isn't it? It's nothing. And wish Chuck all the best. He this is a guy as we say they signed. Marcus Williams, their big free agent signing last year. <laughs> they drafted the guy in the first round. Chuck obviously wasn't happy, but then turned up, played every snap, was was solid all year as he as he has been. This is a guy that was drafted in the the sixth round, was a special teams player, and um, and fought and scrapped to get himself on the field. And he he's been really solid for the Ravens, but they've now got two guys in front of him and this this was an easy one to make i think if people are getting upset over this it's going to get a lot harder than this shane very much a lux- um, luxury not a necessity as ian says with um having kyle hamilton and marcus williams in you wonder how much playing time chuck clark would have seen last year had marcus williams not um missed extended time you you could just sort of see the writing on the wall here and it's it's one of those that's that's good for both. It, it's good for Chuck Clark. He can go to a team where 
um, is going to get started. He uh, once again goes to the Baltimore Ravens North. He gets partnered back up with his old pal, um, CJ Mosley, and will actually play really well for the Jets. And the, the Ravens save money and get some late round compensation rather than releasing him. This sort of feels like a win-win, really. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think obviously they had to do this because they've got to try and get under the cap, but I think it probably would have happened anyway, even if they didn't have to get under the cap. I mean, as Ian said, Chuck Clark asked for a trade in the offseason last year. It's very hard to get any kind of compensation when people know that you're almost certainly going to release a player. So I think this is about the best. It could have worked out for everyone, really. Okay, right. Let's go back. So it's been a couple of weeks since we've been doing a podcast on our off-season um, bi-weekly schedule. I still don't really know if bi-weekly means once every two weeks or twice a week, but good old, Eng- good old English language there. Um, a couple of weeks back, the NFLPA uh, released their report card. Shane, this is a report for all 32 teams filled in by current playing staff, I'm sure, Half of the teams didn't do it or gave it to somebody else to do. Um, the Ravens scored 17th out of 32. The um, biggest shock, I guess, um, strength coach got an F minus and um, Twitter was upset about it. But the guy's been fired. Did we not see this coming? Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm curious as to whether the teams saw this before it was publicly released because he got he got fired very close to the release of this report. It was like the week before where they announced that they'd parted ways with him, uh, and then John Harbaugh gave a weird sort of announcement about his innovative methods or something, which sound like there were maybe methods other people should not be following. <laughs> and then Ian, Twitter then um, not just usual Twitter. NFL player Twitter really, really got on board with this, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Um, I, I couldn't tell you who last year the the Ravens running back coach was or defensive back coach. I could tell you who their strength and conditioning coach was, though. <laughs> that, that, that was easy. Um, and just to put this into some some perspective, did you see the scores for the other teams on this? For strength strength and conditioning, the Ravens got an F minus. That's absolute last thirty two. I think the Falcons might have had a D and they were 31. And then the the team in 30th place had a B. That, wow. That's how bad it is. That's how much of a gap there was between the team in 30th and, and the Ravens, F minus. And as you say, Twitter just exploded and there was, there was sort of players that have been with the Ravens before. So you had Carl Davis and Bam Bradley, Mike Davis, who was here quite recently. Derek Wolf popped up again with the bear carrying on his back. <laughs> Uh, Matt Judon popped up and said, well, I told you all, I told you this two years ago and, oh, and no one listened. Um, but I mean, there the was guys coming out saying that, that this guy basically ruined my career that, you know, I wasn't recovered from a, an ACL or whatever. And he had me in the gym squatting 7,000 pounds and yeah, all, all sorts of stuff. So it, it doesn't look good at all, does it? And uh, yes, he's been fired, but but his replacement was a guy that was on his staff Last year, I'm just going to ask: Is anyone else just else just sort of a bit stressed about this? That the guy that we found to replace him was the guy who's learnt from the guy <laughs> who has got an F minus, uh, and every, basically every player who has played for the Ravens and now doesn't play for the Ravens, so therefore can talk about the Ravens, seemingly hates him. Does this feel like cause for concern? <laughs> it doesn't sound good, does it? I mean, it's and the thing is, like, you have to wonder 
this is the first time the NFLPA has done this, but presumably the Ravens ask the players what they think of stuff that's going on with the organization. Presumably, you know, every company does this with their staff now. They do surveys. They want to try and keep people happy. You'd think that was particularly important if you have, you know, a playing staff that's worth many, many millions of dollars. So you'd think they would have known this, or they should have known this. And the first big clue for everybody was that we all know about this guy because he's the guy who gave pretty much the entire team COVID um, by ignoring the, the COVID restrictions when uh, the NFL was operating under those in 2020. And, it, and the Ravens ended up with, what was it, like a, a roster of 40 people or something because everybody else had COVID, basically. And he was patient zero for that. that and it's, it's mind-boggling that that in itself wasn't a sackable offence. But you would think that they would have asked players for their opinion of, you know, just all of the stuff. And the strength coach would have come up. It's very weird that they don't know this. And it does make me wonder whether there's an element of them. You know, John Harbour used to get quite a lot of stick for running um, training camps that were considered to be too tough. Uh, and they've softened recently with a change in attitude to how players are trained and the new uh, CBA and kind of understanding of like the overall load players take and so on. So he's kind of eased off a bit. And I do wonder whether he thinks the strength coach should be a sort of sergeant major kind of figure and you don't really expect the players to like him. Like, you know, if the players don't like him, then he must be doing something right. Um, but it's total guesswork on my part. I have no idea. I just find it mind-boggling that this would come out a week after the Ravens had taken action and they've had years when they could have known that this guy was, you know, apparently despised by the players. Well, Shane, while we're talking about the, uh, I guess th this opened a, a whole can and uh, we've got the players on Twitter. Uh, I, I, I said players that were formerly with the Ravens, so they could therefore talk about it. Um, Rashad Bateman didn't get that memo, did he? He, um, well, he got it, but only after he tweeted. <laughs> is this um, is this a is this a problem? Is this a problem? Have we got a problem in the Ravens at the minute? Have we got? Um, I mean, this could turn into a big conversation. But what do we think about everything that's coming public about it? I guess this is all the Lamar stuff all ties into it. The uh, the conditioning coach all ties into it. But you just seem to have a, a lot of disgruntled um, players at the moment. Yeah, I think Bateman, I mean, I think that was just your standard wide receiver, diva-ish comments. Eric DaCosta phrased an answer really badly um, at the Combine, where he basically said, you know, if we'd been if we'd been evaluating receivers better, um, we'd be do, doing better in the draft, and I'd have better wide receivers right now, was how he said it. He was answering a question that referred to the Ravens' entire draft history of wide receivers and how they'd never drafted a Pro Bowl wide receiver. Um, Devin Duvernay obviously went as a kick return and not a wide receiver. And so he was answering in the kind of the entire history of the team, we would have drafted better wide receivers. But the way he said it, it was then taken just as a quote and tweeted. I'm sure Rashad Bateman doesn't sit and watch the press conferences. So he just saw that and thought that, that Eric DaCosta was saying 
our receivers are not very good. And understandably, Michael Jordan style, he took that personally and uh, <laughs> went off on a, on a bit of a rant. And it's, you know, I can sort of understand it. And I think somebody, another player, maybe a friend, maybe somebody in the team then said, you know, maybe do this privately. And so he deleted the tweet. And I imagine Eric DaCosta has been dealing with players long enough. He's got a thick enough skin to just go, yeah, it's just somebody saw a comment and got annoyed, and that's what happens. And then he sort of factored the, he factored the strength and conditioning coach in. He was the only person who kind of the only active player on the Ravens who kind of went there and dragged it in. Marlon Humphrey specifically mentioned it by saying he wasn't going to mention it, which felt to me like, you know, <laughs> side eye emoji. <laughs> but, um, Bateman, you know, clearly was just, just lost his rag completely and factored everything in. Um, but I, I don't think it's a big problem. I'm sure that they've all kind of gone, yeah, let's, you know, I phrased it badly. Let's move on. It's all fine. I think they're used to dealing with particularly, um, you know, positions like wide receiver. You have players who uh, can be a little bit touchy. And can we just say this all could have been avoided? Because, like, Eric DeCosta's put himself down there. Like, is, I, I guess he must be talking about the franchise as a whole because, Actually, Eric DeCosta hasn't done bad at drafting wide receivers. He drafted no. Marquise Brown, who's turned into a weapon when he can stay healthy. He drafted Devin Duvernay. He might not be the a, a number one wide receiver, but he's a, a huge part of the team. And Rashad Bateman is looking like, when he's healthy, he's going to be a stud. So not only has he, has he really put his foot in his mouth, but what he said was just completely untrue anyway. And the ridiculous thing is the last time he had this question... He then went off about how it was offensive to the current group of receivers to say, you know, that to say that they're not very good. And actually, I think they'd all consider themselves to be good. And we think they're really good and they're great. And then he went out and drafted Rashad Bateman. So it's like, it's like somewhere in the middle would be fine, <laughs> yeah. Eric. Like you just, like, just, you just, you know, it's just, I, Ian's the cricket guy. What is it? A bit playing a straight bat. What is it you do? But, you know, there's a, there's Close a way. Isn't it? There's a way of just kind of going, yep, I'm just going to knock that one safely away <laughs> and not cause any trouble. DeCosta was like weirdly rambly and a little bit unfocused in his replies in that press conference, much more than he normally is. Like he's normally very on point to the, to the degree that you're listening to what he's saying and going, I don't know if that's what he thinks or if that's some sort of smokescreen he's creating for everybody else. He really didn't sound like he was very switched on in this press conference it's to me. Almost like he's been up late negotiating the contract for, <laughs> yeah, two, yeah. for two years. Exactly. <laughs> the, the guy that was most most happy with this tweet was was Marquise Brown. He was he was like a little school kid shouting "fight, fight, fight." He was retweeting it straight away. He was like all over Twitter, like "let him cook." Like God, it was awful. Marquise Brown, who got drafted by this guy played by this guy and then when he wanted to leave the guy just get, let him go to play with the guy who he'd um, been in college with how can you have a problem how can you have a problem with him Marquis? just get in your lane anyway <laughs> um, right more new coaches this is the um, part of the podcast where we'd usually um, talk to James but he is not here does anyone get any hot takes on these new um, coaches that have joined the ranks um, Denard Wilson, Denard, Denard, Denard Wilson as defensive backs coach. Uh, I assume from this note, he's from the Eagles, he's a Maryland native. Um, Chuck Smith as outside linebackers coach, and Greg Lewis as wide receivers. 
coach. Have we fired anyone yet? Or is there just more pe- is there just more people wandering around jobless <laughs> at the moment? <laughs> just just bringing bring lots of people in. And, and it, it's odd to me because these three, I know nothing about them. I'm not going to pretend I do. James James probably would. But these three came in and everyone's really keen on these three. Like, oh, these are, you know, these are good, good coaches. These, these are going to be great. The poor running backs coach that you talked about last time, Everyone on Twitter hates him. Like, <laughs> he always oh, harbors mate. This is terrible. Like, you you couldn't even name who was the previous running backs coach. You, you don't need to get upset about absolutely everything. They're position coaches. I'm sure they're fine. If there's a problem, well, we'll probably get an F minus again. But you know, if who who cares? Yeah. So the the wide receivers coach comes in because uh, the previous wide receivers coach has moved up to QB coach. Um, so that's where that vacancy comes from. Chuck Smith, outside linebacker, uh, the, whoever the previous linebacker's coach was has gone off to be defensive coordinator at a college somewhere, I think, maybe. Uh, so he's gone. I'm not sure where the defensive backs vacancy comes from. There is still one of these wandering coaches who doesn't have a job, as far as I'm aware. Cause John Harbour said at his combine press conference that the two guys who were sort of left without a role after he'd done his little reshuffle and hired in new people were staying on his staff, but they hadn't worked out what their jobs were yet. Um, and so I think that's still the case with at least one of them. He's at least got one spare coach who's got to have a job announced somewhere along the line. Or maybe that'll just be, you know, just a roving spare pair of hands. Who knows? Um, Bill Belichick, for what it's worth, thinks that you shouldn't have too many coaches. He thinks it's bad. He's very, very keen on a small number of coaches in your coaching staff because he says otherwise the message gets diluted and you have too many people doing too many things in their own way. But then he is he's a control freak who basically runs the entire team. So who knows? I think it's not him, it's his family. Um, right, let's go on to a little bit about around the league then. Um I've just put a couple of stories down on the show sheet. I'm not sure if I've missed anything while I was doing it. I guess the big one we probably should discuss is Orlando Brown Jr. Um, traded to the Chiefs two years ago now. Two drafts. Well, not the draft before. Not the draft just gone, the draft before that. Um, the Chiefs pay him. Um, they put him on the franchise tag. Don't do it again. So the Chiefs have, in essence treat that like a loan it doesn't look like there is a deal to be made there so Orlando Brown hits free agency what's um what are his thoughts on this dude it, it let's bring it bring it back to the Ravens Ian what what's what what's your thoughts on this from a Ravens point of view of how good of a trade it was um looking back knowing what we know now <sighs> it, it's hard because Ronnie was still injured, wasn't he? And he, and he missed what best part of a season. I think had Ronnie been, been fully fit, I I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought it was as as big a miss as it was. I still think the Ravens had to make that trade. I, I didn't love at the time that they traded with Kansas. Um, I'd have liked it to have been maybe any other team apart from, apart from Pittsburgh. Um, so I, I, I think in hindsight, it's probably still a, a decent trade. Um, and, uh, and and fair play to Orlando Brown, who's gone out, played left tackle, got himself a Super Bowl ring, got himself a couple of Pro Bowls, a pretty nice payday, and and he'll get a contract from someone. There's not left tackles don't grow on trees, and it doesn't really matter who who he goes and plays for. Now he's going to retire with a with a Super Bowl ring when he when he does hang him up. 
Interesting. Anything um, Anything else going on around the league that we should talk about? Aaron Rodgers um, had come out. I think he came out of his cave during the recording um, two weeks ago. Um, the news is really ramping up surrounding Aaron Rodgers and the Jets at this moment. Um He's Shane's favourite person to so just let Shane go for like 20 <laughs> oh, minutes this, now. This, this, this was definitely going to Shane. It was not going anywhere else apart from Shane. So um, Aaron Rodgers has been taken out um, to uh, fancy New York restaurants and wined and dined. They've um, flown a private jets all over the gaff. I've seen a couple of um, New York-based um, report beat reporters all saying that if Aaron Rodgers signs there, they'll all do the darkness retreat. Um <laughs> As, as almost motivation for, for, him, for him to come. Um, what do we think here? Because I guess if this Aaron Rodgers New York thing doesn't work out, that opens the doors for another Lamar Jackson um, negotiation with the New York Jets. Do we do we care about Aaron Rodgers? Do we just want him to retire and go back to his cave at this point? Well, it seems like the the Packers are basically done with him, aren't they? They seem yeah. to have just given up on the the whole idea, which is kind of interesting. I guess they want to see um, who they've got in in the guy that they drafted. Um, but um, it's kind of funny that that he sort of I don't know whether he was that did he genuinely want to go to the Jets? Was he trying to use them as a way of because Derek Carr sort of used the Jets as a possible way of kind of talking up his value to. Um, to the Saints, he was like, oh, well, the Jets are also interested. Um, and I don't know whether Rogers was using them as a, as a way of kind of bidding up or trying to get interest from other people. And now he might actually have to go to the Jets just as punishment for using, for toying with them as like a, a negotiating tool. Um, but they could actually be kind of a good team with Aaron Rodgers. I, 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 I really quite like the Jets for Aaron Rodgers. I think it's, um, First of all, from Aaron Rodgers and who he is as a person, it is the biggest football market in the world. Like, he's just going to go into the biggest city in the world and moving from Green Bay, Wisconsin to New York is going to be exactly what Aaron Rodgers wants. It's going to be, it's going to be in the papers, it's going to be in the press, it's going to be an even bigger start. And if Lamar, if Lamar, God, I'm that programmed to talk about Lamar Jackson <laughs> moving teams now, it's, it's happening automatically. Um, if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets, who've got a pretty good roster surrounding him, good skill positions, um, it'd be interesting to see if you then get them spending a little bit of money on the offensive. You know, Aaron Rodgers likes a really good offensive line. Maybe all of a sudden you get an Orlando Brown Jr. going there as well, and you get this sort of one-year super team. If Aaron Rodgers wins a Super Bowl in New York, which they haven't done for, what, 30, 40 years now, He'll the be, Jets and 50, 50 he'll be a, He'll just be, he'll go down in history as one of the best to ever do it, just be, just because of the place that he's done it in. It's not like doing it in Green Bay. Doing it, going to New York and doing it to that franchise and, and change and all this, all this, um, um, Not it wasn't vaccinated, what was it? It was another word that was like vaccinated. He was immunized, Im- Immunized. Yeah. All this immunized, all this dark cave just goes away and he's just a hall of fame quarterback Aaron Rodgers that won a Super Bowl with two teams and I I think it's a really good fit for him honestly I can see it working I mean it's you know the Jets are one of those organizations that typically finds a way to screw things up somehow (laughs) but um they have got they've got a really good roster in place they seem to have actually organized things 
fairly well. They seem to just really be missing the quarterback, and they've had a, a terrible run of drafting quarterbacks. They haven't really managed to draft anyone. Maybe Mark Sanchez is like the best quarterback they've drafted in mm. 20 years or something. That's not really, it's not really high up on your um, list, is it? So going out and getting someone who's a proven champion is not a bad idea. I think the only downside for them is potentially um, at some point whether, whether he, his performance dips and whether he's, you know, sort of comes out and suddenly he's kind of the Tom Brady of last season rather than the Tom Brady of the season before. But, um, it's, you know, Aaron Rodgers is still quite a bit younger than Tom Brady. It seems like quarterbacks these days, if they look after themselves and go and sit in the darkness for a few weeks every off season, you can play on a little bit longer than, um, than in generations before. So you could probably, figure that you get three years out of him probably so yeah I, I don't think it's a bad deal it certainly makes the AFC East pretty interesting doesn't it? it it makes three teams in the AFC East interesting and that's that's why I want to see it because I absolutely can't stand New England and <laughs> the Dolphins are good the Bills are good the Jets would be good well they are good and just to see the Patriots just languish <laughs> would just that'd be bliss wouldn't it to be the, I mean, they would be the, the worst team in the division pretty much by default at that point. Although I still, with the Jets, I'm still very much, I'll believe it when I see it. They have been so bad for so long. They had those two seasons where they made the championship game and lost. But apart from that, it's 50 years of darkness for that franchise. So, you know, I want to see what would happen. It's entirely possible Aaron Rodgers goes to New York, falls down one of those smoking manholes and is never seen again. And it's like... <laughs> Oh, that's the oh, just for you. I'm seeing the other side of this. I'm seeing, I'm seeing this as the Matthew Stafford to the Rams. I think they're going to... I think if it happens, I think... I think if it happens, they've got this coming season to win the Super Bowl. And they're either going to win the Super Bowl and then... Like what the Rams are doing now where that bill's become due and now just... It's just a fire sale. I think that's exactly what's going to happen with the Jets. They've got... They're going to throw everything at it for one year. And if it means going out and just setting up these weird contracts in the same way that the Rams did where all the money is just backloaded three years and in three years you're just screwed. Um I, I think it's I think it's now and ever because how long have you mentioned age, how long have you really got with Aaron Rodgers? Two, three years maybe? Um it, it's all got to happen in in this coming season, I think. But it'd be an interesting fit. And it's also another team that would then not be in the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes, and I, I'm all about, I'm all about that at the moment. Let's fill, let's fill as many of these gaps as we can. Take them all off. It's not ideal to have another really strong AFC team, though. I mean, at this point, the NFC just looks like a joke. If Aaron Rodgers moves from the NFC to the AFC, who are the QBs who are in the NFC? You, you basically do just have. Um, what's it? Hurts. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, Purdy. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I just, I don't really know. Like, there's no quarterbacks in, in the NFC South, are there, at all? I mean, I suppose Derek Carr, but, I mean, he's like the 15th best quarterback in the NFL or whatever, like firmly in the middle. The, for for an era where, you know, the, the the NFC had so many star quarterbacks for for some time, it would basically, they'd just all be in the AFC, which as a fan of an AFC team is not something I'm wild about. Are you telling me you're not on board with the forty-five million dollar man Daniel Jones? Do, 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 you, not, do you not want? For, for, I, <laughs> I was listening to a podcast earlier 
um, where they started off talking about Lamar Jackson and they were very down on Lamar and it's kind of like, mm, does anybody want him when you've got to retool your whole offense to fit his style of play? And it was all this stuff that, you know, we we dealt with like five years ago on the Lamar <laughs> debate. And then they switched to talking about Daniel Jones and they were both like, I think he's he's been really good. I've been really impressed with Daniel Jones, actually. I think his game is coming along really well. <laughs> this was one of the athletics podcasts so it's not like some random lunatics who were just sort of like you know the head injuries clinic podcast that was sort of dabbling in quarterback contracts these are supposedly people who know what they're talking about and they were rolling out daniel jones as the example of quarterback of the future and lamar jackson as the guy you probably want to stay away from because it could all get a bit risky but i th- i thought daniel jones is basically a guy who's fine like, am I wrong about that? Is, Has he is, got some hidden talent I didn't know about? Is he not just Kirk Cousins? I thought he was just another Kirk Cousins. I thought yeah, <laughs> just he's, like, re- he's a better runner than Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I don't he's, know. I think the only I mean, time, the, the only one scrabble I've ever seen from Daniel Jones. I don't watch a, a lot of the Jets. Is the, just the one where he was out in in space and just just and tackled down. himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's just the kind of I've never run this fast before. I outrun my own legs. <laughs> Um, yeah, anyway, that's, so Daniel Jones, I'm, I'm a bit mystified as to, as to that. Uh, I can't think of what's the big, what's the big difference between Daniel Jones and Lamar when you look at them? I don't know. As quarterbacks, <laughs> I can't, I don't know. I don't know. Very similar looking guys, but anyway. Anything, anything else, um, going on in the league, Ian, you look like you've got something on that, the tip of your tongue. I've just remembered one thing just before we go and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to flame him, but I've seen an awful lot of stuff about Lamar on Twitter this week. An awful lot. I spend my life on Twitter is what I do. And I'm, I, I'm not going to say what the tweet is, but if you've got two minutes this week, listeners, go and check out at Panthers UK. Okay. Their, their Twitter. And you want to find a tweet from, it's going to be about two or three days ago now. And just when the Lamar news broke, that's, that's all I'm going to say. And it's my absolute favorite take that I've seen anywhere on Twitter this week. Wow. Okay. Well, build suspense. We have to end the podcast now so I can <laughs> go on to Panthers UK Twitter and see, see what all this fuss is about. Um, is there actually anything else going on? I don't think there is anything that really affects the Ravens, is that this is awesome. No, in, in just... Ravens world, I mean, we've got quite enough to be going on with. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, that's pretty much it for us then. So we're going to be back in two weeks time we are what 50 days from the draft i think i'd seen on a website i was on earlier on 49 days three hours 24 minutes and nine eight seven seconds away from the draft so we've got a couple of episodes to go before the draft we'll have obviously our main man um james big time ogden back with us before the draft to talk about all sorts of different prospects we may have some Lamar Jackson news. So how are we going to run this podcast, guys? Two weeks unless there's Lamar Jackson news. So then we just sort of get together as quickly as possible. Getting nodding. Really good for an audio yeah, podcast, but guys. <laughs> doesn't free, free agency opens up on the 15th, I think. So if anything, if anything happens, it, it won't. I can tell you that now. If anything happens, <laughs> Ra- Ravens-wise, expect to hear us. But yeah, I don't, I don't think anything's going to so be maybe happening. Maybe next week as free agents open. Free agency opens on Wednesday. Wednesday. Yes. Wednesday. Wednesday. All the deals will be announced on Monday, won't they? Because it's all that sort of two-day tampering stuff where you get all the people say what the deals are going to be and then you have to wait for Wednesday for the teams to actually come out and, and officially say 
So yeah, you, you'll know by midweek. So we'll, know, we'll be recording the Jalen Ramsey to the Ravens podcast um, midweek next week. And hopefully we'll know something about Lamar Jackson. Things I've said for the last two years. Last two years so. Not going to happen. <laughs> Don't hold your breath, listeners. Um, in the meantime, if you'd like to be involved with the show, please email us at ukravensshow at gmail.com. We will be getting you guys on as well. I guess it's now sort of get through the uh, free agency, we get do the draft previews with James, we get through the draft, and then we hit the dark days for a little bit. So we'll start getting some of you guys on to join us. If you don't have any breaking Ravens news until two weeks' time, let's go Ravens. Thank you for listening to the UK Ravens podcast. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by members of the UK Ravens. Join the community on social media at UK Ravens and facebook.com forward slash UK Ravens. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the UK Ravens podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. To be involved with the show, email us at ukravenshow at gmail.com. For more info, links, and to stay up to date, visit www.ukravens.com. We need to set a reminder for when this is due for renewal because we are not using Riverside next year because it is shocking.